Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my finest friends. Welcome to the 14th episode of Season 8 of the Tom Petty Project Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, some quick social media stuff, as always, before we dig into this week's song. Um, first of all, I seem to have forgotten to put up the poll because, well, I got no excuse, I just forgot. Um, but over on Twitter, the marvellous Will Porteous from Wildflower Records comments, I used to play this when I used to do acoustic gigs. Such a playful song. Those lyrics are so fantastic. They remind me of the more light-hearted Wilburys tracks. And yeah, there's definitely lots of Wilburys influence on this album, and I couldn't agree more that this song is one of the clearest examples of it. And again, don't forget we're talking about the apartment song here. Um, on Facebook, Sight and Sound commented, Amazing skill set as a writer to be able to take us from something as big as love or our place in the universe and then to a nostalgic spot of only a few hundred square feet, all while using a killer riff to boot, and all in two minutes and 30 seconds. Reminded a little of the great Canadian rocker's Bare Naked Ladies killer tune, The Old Apartment. And for those of you who don't know the Bare Naked Ladies, go give this song a go. And actually, everything else from that album is fantastic. It's a great album. Um, as I was reflecting on the wistful nature of the lyrics in the apartment song, Laura Jean commented, that's something we can all relate to. I think, you know, anybody. That's why Tom's songs just hit such a chord with everyone, because they were so real and you could relate to what he was saying. And my pal Paul Roberts said, uh, Kev, great podcast as usual. Whilst the apartment song is great, I don't rate it quite as high as you. I'll go eight. We all have our rock solid faves of the petty deep cuts. This is one of yours and I understand that. I rave about Dog on the Run and some petty fans have never even heard of it. Thanks as always, Paul, and I love that you keep dropping Dog on the Run into conversation to keep introducing people to a song they might not know exists. Uh, Dean West comments, uh, in my top five all-time favorites, Simplicity at its finest. And Edie Lott mentions the earlier version of the song, saying, I love the version of the song with Stevie. And I commented on last week's episode that this track is one of those rare ones where I do love both versions, and I couldn't really pick between the two. So thanks again, as always, to everyone who commented and who listened to last week's show. I think that's been my favourite episode to write so far, certainly in my top five. Today's episode covers the fifth track from side two of Full Moon Fever, All Right For Now. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I don't play any of the music from the song in the episode itself, just to avoid copyright issues and to be mindful of Tom's estate. If you want to give the song a listen before we dig in, there's a link in the episode notes. On February 23rd of last year, Dana Petty, Tom's wife, posted on the Tom Petty Nation Facebook group that he wrote this beautiful lullaby for Anna Kim when she was about six or seven. Anna Kim, of course, is uh, Tom's second daughter, um, his eldest being Adria. And when Paul Zolo asks Tom about the song in conversations with Tom Petty, Tom confirms this, saying, that was written late at night with my kids in mind. That was when Jeff, that's Jeff Lynn, uh, wasn't there. Paul then comments on the beautiful finger-picking style of guitar playing that's used, and Tom responds, Mike and I did that. We did it live, the two of us, just playing together. Overdubs were then added later, specifically the bass guitar, some additional acoustic, and the harmony vocals, and I think it's safe to assume that this then becomes the only song on the album that Jeff Lynne doesn't actually feature on, with, I'm pretty sure it's Mike Campbell playing that, uh, that bass guitar line. And the song really has a very live feel to it, and begins with a false start, followed by Tom saying one more and counting them back in, one, two, three, four, into the next take. The intro is very short and sweet with a runaround of verse chord progression, and I think there's already three guitars here, with uh, two live acoustics being played by Tom and Mike, with a third playing some of those, probably those arpeggiated runs. 
I think this is another first for a Tom song. I'd have to go back and look, but in the one of the guitars is doubling the vocal melody line pretty much all the way through the song, and it's accentuating that melody. And I'd be, if I had to guess, I'd say that's probably Tom playing that uh, playing that part. The twin finger picking style on this one always reminds me a little bit of Never Going Back Again by Fleetwood Mac, which many an aspiring guitarist would have ripped out their hair trying to copy before realizing that it was more than one guitar part. This one, though, is much more pronounced in terms of being more than one instrument, but the weaving and blending of the notes is crafted so delicately that you're immersed so fully into the melody, it's virtually impossible to pick out which notes are being played by which guitarist at times. It's a very basic four-chord song other than the bridge and has a lilting, folky quality to it that just breezes along effortlessly. The two verses to start the song, or the verses in general, are only a pair of lines each that end with that minor sixth, fourth, root progression. There's then a repeat of this verse pattern with an acoustic guitar taking place of the lead vocal, and it's here that you can really hear those lovely hammer-ons that I'm, again, I'm going to say that's Tom playing that. And for all you non-guitar nerds, a hammer-on is where the note is played by simply hammering your finger onto the string on the fretboard to sound the note, rather than picking or plucking it. And in this case, there's a pick note followed immediately by the hammered note. It gives the chord a nice suspension with the, the fifth note A being plucked and immediately the sixth note then being hammered on, which would be a it's B, the, the sixth note would be B. So you get that very slight, again, that suspension that the major sixth note gives you in a chord. The vocal also begins on the major sixth, and it works beautifully here to give you... It's that sort of slightly restless feel of a, of a baby just starting to fall asleep, you know, fussing all the while. During the bridge section, we get a lovely harmony vocal that I suspect is Tom's voice singing two harmony parts over top of the lead, because it doesn't sound like Jefflin at all, and Mike Campbell isn't credited with any backing vocals on this record. We also get that wonderful Beatles-y chord change, or key change even, to the third, which is an F sharp, and then down to E minor. And as my pal Will Portia said of last week's song, that it has a, a large Wilburys influence, you know, the apartment song, this chord change in this part of the song feels very, very George Harrison-esque to me. It's just a key change for four bars before dropping to that A chord again for two bars that hang the bridge slightly longer than you think. Right, folks, it's already time for some petty trivia. Yeah, I know, already. Um, your question from last week was this. Buddy Holly's song, Peggy Sue, shares a strange connection to the apartment song. What is it? Is it A, the album it is on was released on the same month and day as Full Moon Fever? Is it B, Buddy Holly's eponymous album featuring the song peaked at the same position on the Billboard chart? Is it C, the producer's last name was Petty? Or is it D, that Peggy Sue and the apartment song are exactly the same length. Okay, well, Buddy Holly's eponymous record was released in February of 1958, while Full Moon Fever came out in April 1989, so not the same day, same month. Uh, and while Tom's first solo record peaked at number three on the Billboard chart, as far as we can tell and as far as I can find, there's no record of Buddy Holly's debut album charting at all, which is super weird. Um, Peggy Sue clocks in at 2 minutes 30 seconds, while the Apartment song clocks in one second longer at 2.31. So, the answer is that Buddy Holly's producer was named Petty. Norman Petty, to be precise, who also co-wrote Peggy Sue and many of Buddy Holly's other early hits. An accomplished songwriter and performer in his own right, Petty opened Norman Petty or Clovis Studios and produced albums for a number of Texas performers, including Buddy Knox, Waylon Jennings, and eventual Wilbury, Roy Orbison. So there's another connection here, aside from just the name. 
The studio is still standing, and you can tour the location by appointment if you're ever in Clovis, Texas. And I encourage you to do so if you are. Your question for this week is this. Which is the only song performed by the Heartbreakers that was co-written by Tom and Ben Montench? Is it A, Welcome to Hell? B, Melinda? C, Sins of My Youth? Or D, Dreamville? Okay, back to the song. That beautiful lift to the A major chord at the end of the bridge leads us perfectly back into the next verse. This verse features a harmony vocal and has sort of more words crammed into the space of the progression than those first two. And again, I think this is sort of a a deliberate approximation of the, you know, how how restless babies often are before they finally close their eyes and drift off to sleep. Those harmonies are then taken back out for the final verse before coming back in for the repeat of the last line. And again, I think this is one of those with an unusual an unusual structure. There isn't really a chorus in this song. We're all right for now. You could say maybe is that, but that's kind of the coda to the verse almost. So you've got verse, verse, bridge, verse, verse. So you've, you know, it's, it's an A-A-C-A-A structure, if you will. Tom's vocal delivery in this one is very subdued and what I've called before in this podcast his most natural voice. There's no push or character in his vocal. It's just a sweet plaintive assurance to his daughter that everything is all right for now at least. And that's where I think this song becomes much more interesting. Despite the light fluffiness of the verse progression and the sincere expression of adoration in the lyrics, that caveat on the title line, we're all right for now, belies a slight tension in Tom's state of mind, maybe. Now, it just could be that no other words fit as well as for now. But given that I don't think Tom was very often glib about word choice, I would say that this deliberate inclusion of doubt either betrays his emotional state at the time. And of course, we know that his, you know, his first marriage wasn't happy. Um, and I know that, you know, obviously the heartbreakers at that point were on hiatus. Um, so he could, have been, he could have been in a bit of a weird state. Or possibly it's just his unwillingness to be absolute in his assertion that everything will be fine. Either way, I find that one a very interesting lyrical choice and I'd love to have been able to ask him about it. Um, the live version that was included on the Fillmore 97 release has a very different arrangement with Ben Montench taking the match lead on piano, and Mike Campbell playing some beautifully modulated guitar. We also have Steve Ferroni playing some additional percussion, especially on the ride cymbal, and Scott Thurston providing the harmony parts. And the effect is this gorgeous, fatter sound than we hear on the album version. I'll put a link to that in the, in the, in the episode notes. And then the version on the live anthology is much, much closer to the original, with only, the only change really being some electric guitar rather than solely acoustic. The song was actually played, though, live 68 times, including... 32 times on 1995's Dogs With Wings tour in support of Wildflowers. So this is clearly a song that Tom connected with throughout the remainder of his career. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it. That's it for this week. A short one. But with a track like this, there's not a ton to dig into musically, and rather than drag it out, I figured I'd keep it short and sweet, like the song itself. All Right For Now is a a very sweet lullaby and a nice gentle ode to Tom's daughters that I would imagine still brings both tears to their eyes and joy to their hearts whenever they hear it. It's a soulful little number that I think should have been the natural album closer, and I'm going to give it a rock-solid 7 out of 10. (laughs) 
The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. I'm sure you'll find something there that you like. Um, you can also check out my other podcasts, a Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast that I do with my best friend Randy Woods, um, who incidentally performs all the music you hear in this podcast, uh, and the Ultimate Catalog Clash that I co-host with the hardest working man in podcasting, Corey Morissette. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube at The Tom Petty Project, and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe as applicable, blah, 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 blah. Leave a rating, leave a review if you want to. Um, don't forget that Spotify allows ratings now, so again, just get that rating up a little bit. Go, Give me a second of your time and just go click the stars and they'll help get the show noticed just a little bit more. Keep talking to me on social media. Uh, and as a final reminder, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estates in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit all the official streaming platforms or even, again, I'm going to say this again, go to your local independent record seller, grab an actual physical piece of media that you can hold in your hands and you can listen to. Physical media like the new Ruby Red repressing of the Mojo album, which is available right now on the uh, Tom Petty uh, official website, so tompetty.com. Go check that out. I've got mine pre-ordered. You should go order yours too. Um, if you're looking for official merchandise, go to tompetty.com. And if you're looking for podcast merchandise, go to tompettyproject.com. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. If you're not already a member, I hang out there sometimes. There's tons of cool people in there, and I'm sure you'd enjoy it. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy. And I'll be back with you next week to talk about the penultimate track from Full Moon Fever, the rocking, rolling, bull diddlyin', a mind with a heart of its own. Bye-bye. <laughs>